The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. You're next, sir. How long has it been swollen like that? My neck? My neck is not swollen. Maybe it just happened. Maybe there's still time. Oh, what is all this neck, neck, neck? What? Shackleitis. Double prison plague. DPP, we call it for short. Starts with the neck. Always a killer. See over there? Two went last Monday. Just like that. I feel fine. Don't say that. Feeling fine is a definite symptom. We've got to get you outside medical attention. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, July 23rd, 2020. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion. That's not right wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be And of course, not having symptoms is a definite sign that you're a potential carrier of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, according to the authorities, while not having any significant evidence of a pandemic is a definite sign that you have to mask up to protect yourself and others from that pandemic. And if you don't agree, your local health and state authorities will only be too happy to force you to comply. You don't even have to believe in their religion, you just have to submit. That's quite literally the scenario in which we find ourselves this week. In my own COVID-19 free town of London, Ontario, where municipal officials, and that's significant as we shall later learn, have just this past weekend ordered mandatory masks to be worn in all the city's businesses and government establishments. Their actions are immoral and should be criminal. But fascism, I guess, is all the rage these days. Let me say for the record, that after having personally spent months focused on the COVID-19 scandal, and that's what it is, I have yet to see any evidence, any evidence whatever, as in proof that masks or even social distancing have been in the least bit impacting on this whole COVID-19 pandemic, so-called. Apparently, Canadian constitutional lawyer Rocco Galati supports this position. Representing a number of plaintiffs, he has launched a constitutional challenge to Canada's COVID measures, citing that the measures are unconstitutional and do not reflect any legitimate scientific or medical evidence on which to justify them. We'll be finding out more about that as our show today progresses, and right after our weekly reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform, and of course, visit us at www.justrightmedia.org, where you can access all of Just Right's social media links and our archive broadcasts. And as always, consider offering your financial support. Everyone who donates $25 or more will receive a copy of the 52-page full-color publication, Climate Essentials, written by Dave Plum, one of our regular guests. Well, boy, did I get a bunch of calls and emails over the past weekend about mandatory mask wearing. 
The area where I live has now been hit by the worst of the pandemic symptoms so far. The City of London has issued an order requiring everyone to wear masks in places of business for no reasons related to medical concerns, although they lie to us about this. It is difficult to overstate how much the forced wearing of masks traumatizes a significant segment of the population. I've been hearing from them. And why have city officials done this? Well, to cash in on the federal bribes being paid to municipalities who make such declarations and orders for starters. And that's just one of the things you're going to learn today. And thanks to that specific act on the part of the City of London, I am now totally convinced beyond any doubt whatever that this COVID-19 pandemic has been a fraud from the start. We've been viewing it from this perspective from the very beginning, but always with, you know, a door open to the possibility that there might be some legitimacy to it. But this notion is no longer possible to even entertain once you're made aware of the facts and the realities behind these unconstitutional and destructive measures being adopted by our own elected representatives. In a London Free Press article published last week, Middlesex London Health Unit Medical Officer of Health Chris Mackey was quoted as saying, Quote, we are simply not at a rate of illness in our community right now that justifies, in my opinion, an order under the Health Protection and Promotion Act. The Emergency Management and Civil Protection Act is somewhat more permissive, and it really empowers the Medical Officer of Health to issue instructions to businesses that are opening during Stage 3 that will contribute to safety. The Province's Emergency Act means the rule can be enforced by a wider range of public officers and can come into effect immediately, Mackey said. The instruction would end if the provincial state of emergencies lifted, necessitating the need for municipal bylaws, Mackey said. The health unit order comes as London City Council mulls its own bylaw requiring masks in indoor public spaces. The proposed bylaw also will require businesses in the city to put up signs about the mask rule in their stores. A report to the City Hall's Strategic Priorities and Policies Committee recommends a minimum fine of $500, but that's unlikely to be the first course of action, Mayor Ed Holder said. I think education over enforcement is one of the first steps, Holder said Friday. It could initially be based on education and getting more people consistently used to mask wearing, end quote. Well, what they are proposing is criminal. It's an obscenity. Given what we know to be factual about COVID-19 and about the use of face masks, facts which we have been sharing with our listeners since the days even before the official lockdown was declared, and facts which have, in every respect, held their own to this day. And yes, these are the same facts and realities that the mainstream media not only does not report, but creates fictions suggesting the very opposite of the truth. They call for censorship instead of open debate. When Mayor Ed Holder uses the word education, he's speaking from the position of a dictator with a gun. His education tool is a minimum $500 fine, and who knows how much more evil he'll be willing to endorse to educate us. This is the very kind of language that emanates from every dictatorship in the world, bar none. Education is about knowledge, about what is actually so. And that's what this show is about, specifically epistemology, the philosophical branch of knowledge that confirms for us whether what we know actually corresponds to reality and is supported by reason. And the knowledge, quote-unquote, of getting people used to mask-wearing... That's not knowledge. 
It's forcing them to do something against their own conscience and knowledge. Should they, like myself, be in the possession of knowledge that actually meets the test of what is knowledge? As I've seen reported in our local news reports, the mayor of London, Ed Holder, has actually been persuading health officer Chris Mackey to recommend that a bylaw be passed on whatever grounds he can possibly make up. Quote, we are simply not at a rate of illness in our community right now that justifies, in my opinion, an order under the Health Protection and Promotion Act. End quote, said Mackey. In other words, the new masking regulations are completely politically motivated not motivated by any medical or scientific cause. And last week, you'll recall our listener Andrew informed us that masks will be mandatory in indoor spaces in Burlington. And I'm ordering one from Amazon that has the anti-communist slogan on it, Better Dead Than Red, he wrote. Well, interestingly enough, (laughs) just a few days ago, we received some feedback from our regular listener and supporter, Trevor D., who has taken Andrew's mask slogan idea to the next level. Say it with a mask, read the subject heading of his emails. And here are just a few of the slogans he'd like to see placed on masks. Like this one. Doesn't work. (laughs) I'm with stupid. Socialism makes me sick. No freedom. No choice. COVID communism. Made in China. Forced. Non-consensual. Masking freedom. Vote Freedom Party of Ontario. Fear and control. Mackie Mask. Moron Mackie Mask. Among others. <laughs> there may be more to come, he wrote. But my personal favorite is the one that reads, Doesn't Work. Because that pretty much summarizes the truth about masks and about the evidence as to that fact that we'll be hearing more about as our show progresses today. But Trevor had something else to tell us about regarding the current mask orders. Quote, Before my weekly trip to the grocery store, I checked their website to see if I had to wear a mask or other face covering. No mask requirement was stated. When I arrived at the store, I met the usual, a young female employee wearing a mask and holding a clipboard. In the months I have been shopping at this store, I would exchange friendly hellos with the young woman and do my shopping. On leaving, the young woman would usually tell me to have a good day or have a good one. This time was different. This young woman told me, the next time you have to wear a mask. She backed away from me in fear like an animal because I took a step towards her, violating the social distancing rule. I got angry, and as I walked into the store, I said out loud, I never thought Canada would become a communist country, but it has. I did less than my usual level of shopping and left as fast as I could. Maybe someone needs to organize a public event where Canadians from communist countries talk about what they fled from so people can see... What is happening here? They're being crushed by tyranny over a typically mild viral disease with a 98 to 99% recovery rate. This is insanity. And for all those Ontario progressive conservative voters who are so shocked and disappointed by Premier Doug Ford, you got exactly what you voted for. A longtime socialist progressive party in conservative clothing. I voted Freedom Party, end quote. Well, my daughter Danielle and her husband Dan told me that they were the only two people in the no-frills store shopping without a mask this past Monday morning, but no one even gave them a second look or concern. However, that might not be the case next week when the instruction issued by Mackey may become an order issued by Ed Holder and City Council. We'll have to wait and see. But speaking of Freedom Party, on Sunday morning, Freedom Party leader Paul McKeever sent me a PDF copy of what he called a fascinating statement of claim. And he wrote, quote, 
Somewhat famous Toronto lawyer Rocco Galati has filed on behalf of numerous plaintiffs a statement of claim against various government authorities. The claim, which I've only skimmed through, essentially gets to an alleged global conspiracy to impose world governance. The bit about a 2010 report on how to impose world government in a hypothetical scenario in which a pandemic follows the escape of a virus from the Wuhan lab is, well, troubling. End quote. Well, sure enough, on the same day that I received that 191-page statement of claim from Paul, listener Alain P. sent me a link to a YouTube channel hosted by Amanda Forbes and featuring her guest, none other than lawyer Rocco Galati, speaking about the very statement of claim that had just been forwarded to me in PDF format. And by the way, I really want to take a moment to thank all those of you who faithfully send us links and information about stories and events that we may eventually feature on the show. We can't always acknowledge or cover them all, but we do read them and check out as many as we can. And lately, that's been what this show has been made of, is is the stuff you've been sending us. So, what you're about to hear in this upcoming audio bite, and in a few others to follow later, is a story that should be all over the front pages of our newspapers. This is Canadian constitutional lawyer Rocco Galati in conversation with Amanda Forbes on her own YouTube channel as heard this past July 17th. But as you'll hear, she pretty much let the lawyer do all the talking. My name is Rocco Galati. I'm a constitutional lawyer. I've been practicing law for 31 years. I initially started my career with the Federal Department of Justice and have been on my own since... uh, 1991. I have filed a constitutional challenge in the Ontario Superior Court seeking declaratory and injunctive relief against the COVID measures. We've sought declarations that both the Ford and Trudeau governments have effectively dispensed with Parliament and are ruling by royal decree, as it were, which is unconstitutional. And especially in Ontario now with the proposed Bill 195, where they can just make executive orders uh, on an ongoing basis. And they've extended the emergency for another year, which is un- unheard of. In the claim, we have, we have named uh, the federal government, the provincial government, Trudeau, Ford, and the mayor of Toronto, John Tory, against the COVID measures. And... A- Apart from the the constitutional breaches against sections 2, 7, 8, 9, and 15 of the Charter, that is your right to freedom of conscience, association, belief, your right to life, liberty, and security of the person, your right against unreasonable search and seizure for the closure of businesses in an arbitrary and irrational manner, the right against arbitrary detention when the bylaw officers stop you and ask for information they're not allowed to ask, and Section 15 of the Charter for the discriminatory way in which people with physical and neurological disabilities, especially children with special needs, have been left out in the cold in this entire equation with with COVID uh, uh, measures. I mean, they're out. Their parents are out there fending for themselves in the most brutal way. And also, the Section 15 argument covers another vulnerable group that's at the center of the depraved measures that have made them victims, and that's the aged population that finds itself in these long-term care centers, where 84 percent 
of the so-called COVID deaths, no matter how you calculate them, have occurred in long-term care facilities for the aged. And you, you think of a situation where a person has given their entire life and contribution to society and to end up at the end of life in this way. Jane in room two can't visit John in room three. Their families are not allowed to take them out for a visit to their home. And, you know, they are literally suffering solitary confinement in their own residence. These long-term care facilities have turned into gulags for these poor people. Yeah, It's just atrocious. It's just yeah. atrocious. So the other things we seek from the court in terms of declaratory relief are the fact that the measures that are being undertaken, social distancing, the obscene mandatory mask orders that have come down, are neither scientifically nor medically based. There was consensus, the scientific community has an avalanche of evidence that says masks don't work. In fact, the box uh, warning on the back of the box of masks that you buy says, warning, this does not protect you against COVID-19. Uh, up until now, uh, Teresa Tam in March, the WHO, the CDC in the States have said, no, masks do not work to stop airborne aerosol viruses. And they actually do harm to people. So all of a sudden, after four months through the thick of the so-called pandemic, during which time public transit systems like in Toronto that have 1.5 million people using them every day, there was no social distancing, no masking, all of a sudden, everybody's required to wear a mask everywhere. Why? Because of polls indicating that people have lost confidence in what the leaders are telling them. And so the masking laws are basically just a means of obedience, a potent prop to ensure obedience and compliance because people are not buying this. They're afraid. They're acting out of fear. But, you know, the evidence is just not there. There's no medical or scientific evidence. These measures are not medically or scientifically based. In fact, the BC Chief Public Health Officer, Dr. Bonnie Henry, early on said something and she reiterated it July 14th on an update on her website when they asked her, how did you come up with no more gatherings of 50 while in Ontario it was 10? And she said, well, this is not scientifically based. We think 50 is a reasonable number that we can track on the contact tracing apps. This is not based on science. Well, then what's it based on? Witchcraft? I mean, we're not following science here. So we seek declarations that these provisions infringe charter rights, are not scientifically or medically based, and we're also preparing an injunction against the masking or bylaw in Toronto to be heard as quickly as possible once it's completed and filed with the court. Now, is it just the Toronto area bylaw, or is there other uh, municipalities that have joined in? The statement of claim itself at the time it was issued only mentioned two other counties, Windsor-Essex and the, the Wellington-Dufferin-Guelph County. At that time, those were the only three that had masking orders. Now every municipality is putting one in, which is another really nasty government tactic. Just think about this, right? So if they wanted to put an overall pervasive masking law, the feds could have done it under the Quarantine yeah. Act, or the province could have done it under the emergency legislation. No, they are 
delegating that, letting each municipality putting in their own order, and I'm sure they'll get to court and say, well, if you want to extinguish all of them, you got to take them all to court, which is nonsense. But this is another nasty tactic that they use yeah. to deprive people of the right to assert their rights, because it's not easy to mount a legal challenge, let alone in every single municipality in the province. Why is Premier Ford and Justin Trudeau refused, refused to disclose both the substance of the medical advice they're obtaining and the source? In our statement of claim, we cite, I think, about 43 world and Canadian experts who have said since almost day one, these measures are bogus. They're not scientific. They're not medical. And why are those voices not only ignored, not even addressed. They pretend they don't exist. Some of those voices are Nobel Prize winners in their yeah. field. Yet YouTube and Facebook and all the other social media will take down, and they've publicly said this, anything that goes contrary to the official medical Vatican of the WHO, any message that criticizes the measures will be taken down, quote, as misinformation. How can you take down the opinion of a world expert in their field as misinformation? Science and medicine are not a church dogma. So this is what you're experiencing here. So how can a world expert's opinion in his expertise be, quote, misinformation? And look who's deciding it's misinformation. Some kid probably with barely a high school education is lifting it from the website. Yeah. And so this is so offensive. It is a totalitarian tiptoe. And so we've lost our democratic process. We've lost the courts because they've effectively shut down. We've neutered the courts. We've neutered parliament. And we're all walking around like dogs muzzled with masks that are not only ineffective, but actually causing harm. Yep. And the other thing is that the government in, and the municipal governments in mandating these masking orders, although the masking orders have exemptions, the posters they produce don't talk about exemptions. And no. the store owners are ignoring the exemptions, which are part of the law, and the cities, the municipalities are doing nothing about it. So they're not even adhering to their own bylaws. They're just picking and choosing the part of the bylaw that they want imposed and ignoring the other part of the bylaw that says you have to, you have a duty to accommodate exemptions and accommodate disabilities, people who can't wear masks or for whom wearing masks is dangerous. Right, and it's causing people to uh, lash out at those people without even knowing their disability or you know, medical condition. It's disgusting, well, the division around. on this. They're dividing society, worse than dividing society, they're burning the economy, they're destroying society and They've destroyed the democratic process. They've destroyed the rule of law in the courts. And uh, apart from divide, they're, they're just imposing fascistic measures. And yeah. they refuse to tell us who is advising them to do that. We know who's advising them, but they ref they don't want to disclose the medical advice because it doesn't hold water. Right. It, it, it's mind staggering. Now, the other offensive thing is that Canadian municipalities are getting money from the federal government if they impose masking laws. That's yeah. totally illegal. 
Yeah, the feds have not imposed the masking ordinance. The feds have not invoked the Emergencies Act. So they're, they're, they're acting illegally through really institutional bribery of the municipalities. Just follow the money. Isn't that what folks like to say when searching for a motive that doesn't make sense? Now, everything that London Mayor Ed Holder has done, as well as what the city of Burlington did last week, makes sense, doesn't it? In Ontario, thanks to fascist Ford, they've been given the force of law to impose their political will upon the rest of us. No emergency required. And as Galati pointed out, this is a tactic. Power delegated to municipalities in order to to deprive people of their right to assert their rights. Especially in Ontario now with Bill 195, where they can just make an executive order on an ongoing basis, and they have extended the emergency for another year which he says is unheard of. Bill 195, an act to enact the reopening of Ontario, was the bill brought to our attention last week by Freedom Party leader Paul McKeever, and he warned that it, quote, will allow the government to turn emergency regulations into regulations that do not require the provincial emergency to be in effect, end quote. Yet I've seen nothing in the mainstream media about this very critical and dangerous to our freedom development. Think about what Galati cited in his court challenge. We're dealing with closings in an arbitrary and irrational manner. The scientific community has an avalanche of evidence that masks don't work, and we've featured it for weeks and weeks on this show, but what does officialdom do? They censor it all. Totally qualified and established professionals in their field. It's just unbelievable. And as Galati points out, Ford and Trudeau refuse to disclose the substance of the medical advice they're obtaining or cite the sources of their medical and scientific expertise. Well, aside from being totally unaccountable and irresponsible, doesn't this remind you of yet another left-wing fascist scam? Climate change, anyone? They don't need substance or sources, they just need a consensus. I mean, this is deja vu all over again, and there are thousands of scientists around the world who do not hold to the climate change propaganda being promoted by the world governments. Yet, against all this readily available evidence and testimony by true expertise to the contrary, the mask propaganda in the mainstream media continues unabated. The lowdown on masking reads a headline in the July 17th London Free Press over an article written by Megan Stacy. Quote, It's the most divisive debate in London since bus rapid transit. Should you wear a mask? And should citizens make the call to mask up? Or should they be forced to for coronavirus prevention? And then the article goes on to highlight the usual BS arguments we always hear. But here's what caught my eye. There was a subheading that read, Where's the proof? And wow, finally I thought, here is the evidence of that proof that I've been having such a hard time finding. But no, instead of proof, we get an anecdote that has already been soundly disproven by the data and evidence that we've collected over the past several months. And I quote, A recent report from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, America's National Health Agency, looked at two Missouri hairdressers who worked while they had COVID-19. Both wore cloth face coverings while cutting clients' hair, trimming facial hair, and giving perms. 
They saw 139 clients while working with symptoms. About half those clients sought testing, and none were COVID-19 positive. None of the others developed symptoms. Relatives living with one of the hairdressers did test positive. A policy mandating the use of face coverings was likely a contributing factor in preventing transmission, the CDC said, end quote. Oh my God. And that's it. That's all, folks. A complete assumption based on mere association and not proof at all in any stretch of the imagination. And this is the, the exact kind of crap we've been getting all along. Just wait until you hear a report by Fox News reporter Laura Ingram about masks that we'll be featuring a bit later on in the show. I mean, it totally blows this BS proof right out of the water. Meanwhile, an editorial headline in the same day's London Free Press read, Mask Wearers, COVID-19 Heroes. And it points out that, quote, With the advent of mandatory masking in some cities has come vocal and animated resistance, end quote. And although the editorial purports to be written by Ray Watt Dionandan, an epidemiologist and associate professor in health sciences at the University of Ottawa, no scientific argument was offered or made in this editorial. Instead, we got a totalitarian political message from the writer. Quote, Smoking rates did not drop until smoking bans were enacted. Seatbelt usage did not exceed 50% in Canada until it was made mandatory. Enormous fines are still needed to prevent some drivers from making highways dangerous for everyone else. By the way, none of these assertions are correct, by the, but who cares? It then falls on government to make compliance obligatory. The public health challenge of reaching mask resistors. Wow, what a politically loaded offensive term. I guess I'm one of them. But the challenge is threefold. First, many do not accept the underlying science, nor indeed the entirety of the COVID-19 narrative. Such ideological entrenchment cannot be challenged with evidence. <laughs> you know, I've been begging for evidence, but they won't give me any, nor would those supporting fascism ever provide it. But never mind. This person continues, especially when drowned by conspiratorial noise. <laughs> you know, is this... Is this the excuse they always use to avoid ever offering us their evidence and underlying science? That they don't think we'll believe it? Why don't you just try it? See if you can give us some evidence that, that is actually believable. This is an intractable group that is best served by legal compulsion. Oh my god. This is an outright thug writing this obscenity. <laughs> it just continues. Second, we must address selfishness. Of course we must. Yours, I think. The rationale behind masks is the protection of others. Last is risk perception. The probability of getting COVID-19 is low. <laughs> Listen to this. And the probability of dying from it is also low. But the threat is not to the individual, hello, but to the community. We must convince individuals to make daily changes to their lifestyle to enact an unseen theoretical effect on people they will never meet. This is a challenge of imagination. And the editorial concludes, Be heroic. Heroes wear masks. End quote. Oh, what a piece of bull excrement. If there's no threat to the individual, how can the community be threatened or even affected since any community is only a given number of individuals? Do, do they not even think that far? People who talk like this are clearly the ones ideologically driven by collectivism. Everything's a group, which is something fake to the core. 
I'd like to add this writer's name along with that of Ed Holder and Chris Mackey to the list of defendants who would have to respond to Rocco Galati's constitutional challenge. And among those defendants, and this is not all of them, are Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, Dr. Theresa Tam, Canada's Chief Public Health Officer, Federal Minister of Transport Mark Garneau, Ontario Premier Doug Ford, Ontario Chief Medical Officer Dr. David Williams, Ontario Minister of Health and Long-Term Care Christine Elliott, Ontario Minister of Education Stephen Lecce, Mayor of the City of Toronto John Tory, Toronto Chief Medical Officer Dr. Eileen Devilla, and the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, the CBC. Again, that's not the whole list. But here's more from constitutional lawyer Rocco Galati, and what we hear in this segment is solid proof as to what extent our governments will go to avoid the facts and to avoid the science. Something I've been screaming since day one. First injunctive relief we're going to take is vis-a-vis the masking order. The second one that we may anticipate, depending on how the Ministry of Education in Ontario finally decides on how kids are supposed to go back to school, will be on the issue of schooling. Uh, You know, the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto on June 17th issued an 11-page report, recommendations it was asked to do. And the Hospital for Sick Children report is very clear. Children should go back to school in a normal setting with no social distancing and no masking. And the report says children are at extremely low risk of contracting COVID. And even if they do, they bounce back in no time. So there's no rationale in invoking these drastic measures. And they go further. They make it very clear in that report that social distancing and masking for children imports drastic psychological harm on children, the lack of socialization, and it just impacts them disproportionately in terms of mental health. So initially, what was the provincial reaction to this report? Education Minister Lecce and Premier Doug Ford, whose intellectual acumen I I can't say I have much regard for. (laughs) Lecce said, well, we have to study the report and engage the expertise of the report. Well, excuse me, the Hospital for Sick Children is regarded as the world's, not the country's, the world's premier children's hospital. You had two expert virologists write the report, but above and beyond that, you had 20 additional experts who weighed in and helped prepare the report and peer reviewed the report. So you have 22 experts in their field at the Hospital for Sick Children making recommendations about how to return to school for children. And what, you got to pause to question their expertise? Or are you just going to rely on the expertise of these phantoms that you have been relying on since day one that you refuse to disclose and that you make simple political decisions without regard to the science and medicine? This is the travesty of this whole ordeal. They pretend they're relying on medical evidence. Well, disclose the medical evidence you're relying on. Disclose who the source of the expert is who's giving that evidence because there's so dozens of experts, world experts, who disagree with you on the measures. Now, there there are jurisdictions, for instance, there's 14 countries that never invoke measures, and there's a a study from... uh, the University of Mainz in Germany that's barely two weeks old that compared those 14 jurisdictions with the rest of us 
And those jurisdictions didn't have any more so-called COVID deaths and didn't fare any worse for not invoking any measures than we did, but with a difference. They did avoid the travesty of burning the economy to the ground. Wow. When people say, well, you know, if we hadn't taken these measures, it would have been worse. The lie in that statement lies in the fact that, one, that's speculation on your part. Two, if we study the countries that didn't take measures, we know it wasn't worse. That's a fact. But they don't want that out, do they? They don't want to cover that, no. But we we sourced that in our statement of claim. Good, good. to talk about Denis Rancourt. Yeah. He's he's clearly being censored. Uh, he's a plaintiff in the lawsuit. Uh, Denis uh, Rancourt is a plaintiff in the lawsuit. He's he's a PhD professor uh, and he wrote a two articles, one mass stone work. He reviewed the the global literature, medical literature on masks not being effective. And his his articles have been taken down. He's an expert in his field. He's a PhD. He has published over a hundred peer-reviewed articles in his career. He's a tenured professor of physics. He's he's an expert in public health on top of that. This is a kind of propagandistic fascism you're talking about. In fact, his work was tabled by MPP Randy Hillier in yes. the Ontario legislature, okay? Yep. Who was awesome. kicked out of Ford's government. He's a conservative. He was kicked out of Ford's government as an MPP because he was critical of the measures. And his biggest critique of the measures, even though he initially voted for the declaration of the emergency, is the lack of transparency. Ontario is the only jurisdiction in the world that will not release its records, that will not release the source of its uh, policy. Randy Hillier, to his credit, on a principal basis, opposes these measures because of the damage they are doing to democratic rule. He's one of the few elected officials who actually believes in the democratic process. You know, one of the ironic, sad things is that most people elected to government don't actually believe in the democratic process. They believe in pursuing their party's own self-interest and their own self-interest. There's nobody here that I see who's actually had any respect for the democratic process, from Trudeau to Ford to Tory. None of them have. The biggest respect for the democratic process that none of these people have who are elected is the respect for the supremacy of the Constitution. For most of these people, the Constitution is a roll of toilet paper, pure and simple. And you can't have respect for the democratic process if you don't respect the Constitution, because we live in a constitutional democracy. We no longer live in a system whereby Parliament is supreme. The Supreme Court of Canada has made it very clear. Parliament is no longer supreme. The Constitution is supreme. And even Parliament's law have to conform to the Constitution. So if you ignore the Constitution, by definition, you are defecating on the democratic process because we live in a constitutional democracy, not an arbitrary democracy. You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. I mentioned a report by Denis Rancourt 
on a recent broadcast of the show. And now thanks to Galati's constitutional challenge, which includes Rancourt as a plaintiff, I've learned the following from the court document. Presently, Dr. Rancourt is a registered mentor for physics students at the University of Toronto and is a researcher at the Ontario Civil Liberties Association. He is a frequent media commentator. His articles and interviews are published in many media venues. His recent video interviews and reporting videos about the science of the COVID-19 epidemic and the science of masks for preventing viral respiratory diseases have already been viewed more than half a million times. He is scheduled to be an invited opening speaker at the October 2025th International Public Conference on Vaccination organized by the National Vaccine Information Centre. The plaintiff, Rancourt, in April 2020 published an article entitled Masks Don't Work, a review of the science relevant to COVID-19 social policy. This was carried on the ResearchGate website. Subsequently, ResearchGate removed the article after it had received some 400,000 reads. YouTube also removed three of Rancourt's videos. The three videos were entitled Masks Don't Work Against COVID-19, Jane Scharf, Advocate for Vulnerable Persons, Reacts to COVID-19 Policy, and Why COVID-19 is a Global Mass Hysteria. Rancourt states, and the fact is, that YouTube removed the videos in accordance with its publicly stated policy to remove any quote-unquote misinformation contrary to its community standards with respect to COVID measures, which is conceitedly applied to any and all opinions that run contrary to the official WHO dogma, notwithstanding that those contrary opinions come from recognized experts in their field. Rancourt has written or co-authored the following published authoritative documents about COVID-19. Masks Don't Work, a review of science relevant to COVID-19 social policy. Criticism of government response to COVID-19 in Canada. A report for the Ontario Civil Liberties Association. And all-cause mortality during COVID-19, no plague and a likely signature of mass homicide by government response, which I'll have a little more to say about later. And the document goes on to note that the CBC had a, quote, high-profile journalist interview Rancourt at length about face masks, said the content would be on the evening news, on his blog, and on the radio, and then the content was never used, end quote. Which is why the CBC is on the list of defendants, because the CBC is funded via taxpayer dollars. It has a duty to report these kinds of items, argues Galati, in their constitutional challenge. Now, I have a copy of Denis Rancourt's All-Cause Mortality During COVID-19, No Plague and a Likely Signature of Mass Homicide by Government Response. That's a deadly title, by the way. Published June 2nd. Now, it's not political in nature, but governments are implicated as being the primary cause of all the deaths, both by COVID-19 and by the legislated lockdowns of the economy. Quote, I postulate that the COVID peak represents an accelerated mass homicide of immune-vulnerable individuals and individuals made more immune-vulnerable by government and institutional actions rather than being an epidemiological signature of a novel virus, irrespective of the degree to which the virus is novel from the perspective of viral speciation. 
Finally, my interpretation of the COVID peak as being a signature of mass homicide by government response is supported by several institutional documents, media reports, and scientific articles, such as the following examples, end quote, which is then followed by several pages of references and sources, etc. This is a very well-researched report, and I've read it pretty much in its entirety. It looks credible to me, and quite frankly, it's chilling. Now, remember our earlier story about the two Missouri hairdressers who worked while they had COVID-19 and no one around them picked up the virus and the CDC attributed a policy mandating the use of face coverings as a likely contributing factor in preventing the transmission, right? Well, not only did that reasoning not make any sense given what we really know about masks and about viruses in general, it now appears that the SARS-CoV-2 virus may be nowhere near as contagious as the official experts predicted. This in turn explains so much more behind the evidence that has been surfacing for months. So now as promised, here is Laura Ingram from her July 15th Fox News report on what they're not telling us about masks. But now we talk about the issue of mask mandates. We've seen what can happen when people come together with face coverings. We want to give people more confidence to shop safely and enhance protections for those who work in shops. Both of these can be done by the use of face coverings. You could literally kill someone because you didn't want to wear a mask. I'm convinced that the benefit of wearing a mask clearly is there. Now, we've heard for months that wearing face coverings, even homemade ones, cloth ones, is a selfless thing to do and it's even a patriotic duty which i have to say sounds pretty cool and it even sounds like a unifying thing now consider the following from the very uh, medical journals and organizations that were led to believe are infallible a 2015 study recruited healthcare workers from hospitals in hanoi vietnam and examined the benefits of cloth masks used in the healthcare setting and then measured flu and flu-like virus transmission well, the results may surprise you. The rates of all infection outcomes were highest in the cloth mask arm. Penetration of cloth masks by particles was almost 97%, and medical masks, 44%. Now, this was a randomized controlled trial of more than 1,600 healthcare workers and had this stunning conclusion. The results caution against the use of cloth masks. This is an important finding to inform occupational health and safety. Moisture retention, reuse of cloth masks, and poor filtration may result in increased risk of infection. Hmm, okay. Well, what about the World Health Organization? I'm sure they recommend masks. Well, just go to the WHO website where they say, there is limited evidence that wearing a medical mask by healthy individuals and households, in particular those who share a house with a sick person or among attendees of mass gatherings, may be beneficial as a measure of preventing transmission. At present, there is no direct evidence on the effectiveness of universal masking of healthy people in the community to prevent infection with respiratory viruses, including COVID-19. Then there's the gold standard itself, the CDC. Now, back in January, it recommended against masks, and Dr. Fauci repeated that guidance in March. 
there's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. Now, Fauci recently explained his mask flip. He's now in favor of them, saying those comments initially were motivated by his concern for saving masks for healthcare workers. Facebook, by the way, I found this out today, now flags the old interview with Fauci as false information. But he sure seemed convincing. But that's not all. An April study published in Nature seemed consistent with the old Fauci as well. It measured and compared viral shedding in the coughing of 111 participants, some wearing masks, some not. The results? Among the samples collected without a face mask, we found that the majority of participants with influenza virus and coronavirus infection did not shed detectable virus in respiratory droplets or aerosols. For those who did shed virus in respiratory droplets and aerosols, viral load in both tended to be low. Wait, what? <laughs> the majority of confirmed coronavirus infections without a face mask didn't shed detectable virus in respiratory droplets or aerosols? And for those who actually did, the minority, there was very little virus present? Okay, wait, it gets better. The major limitation of our study was the large proportion of participants with undetectable viral shedding and exhaled breath for each of the viruses studied. So again, let me just explain this. Over the space of 30 minutes, they were unable to capture any viral shedding in a large proportion of participants with confirmed known infections. <laughs> again, what? So, so the issue, as is explained in this study, is that non-coughing or sneezing people are by and large not shedding virus in their ordinary breath. If they're coughing, well, of course, that's a different story, of course. Someone who is actively sick is, well, you know, they're actively sick. But especially now, many coronavirus infections are not symptomatic for cough. And among those actively sick but not coughing, they had great difficulty in this study finding virus expelled under lab conditions. And, and, and lab conditions has extremely sensitive equipment. Again, these are people who were actively sick and had a fever. So, so, so much for the theory of asymptomatic shedding of infectious virus out of one's mouth or nose. By the way, the entire premise on which the mask mandates are predicated. Cletus, I need you to come up with social distancing guidelines. But, sir, I just cleaned the toilets here. I wouldn't know the first thing about it. Just do it! We're all busy. You're the man for the job. I'll send you an assistant to help you make notes. Good work. Okay. Sir, the Surgeon General just tweeted this. Seriously, people, stop by mass. They are not effective in preventing general public from catching coronavirus. Sounds like we should mandate masks. Okay, so medical grade masks? No, just anything. An old handkerchief, a worn through t-shirt with holes in it, a maxi pad for all I care. 
I think these are all medical devices exquisitely designed to keep viruses out of the human body. I think. Um, tell people to stay six feet apart. Why six feet? <laughs> because we don't use the metric system. This is America. We don't do meters. Yes, sir. I understand why we're measuring in feet, but why six of them? Oh. Oh. It seems like a good medically sound number to me. Okay, we're finding obesity is a factor that terribly increases someone's risk for COVID-19. What do we do? <sighs> Let's close all the gyms. For how long? We'll reopen the gyms once they're closed long enough that they all go out of business. That way they can't reopen. That sounds effective, sir. And while we're at it, let's close down all the playgrounds. But make sure the vending machines are still open so people can still get their sodas. Sir, may I ask, what are you working on there? Oh, I'm drawing a cat. It's beautiful. Sir, studies have found that with COVID-19 patients in Indonesia, 98.9% .9 of them that had vitamin D deficiency died. But only 4% of patients with vitamin D sufficiency died. And approximately 70% of the US has a vitamin D deficiency. What do you think we should do? We need a new mandate. Everybody's gotta stay inside. The last thing we need is people being exposed to the sun, breathing fresh air. They need protection. Oh wait. That looks better like this. And close all the beaches. Okay, people can go back on the beaches again, but only standing or swimming, no sitting. This disease is highly contagious in the sitting position. Is it? Yeah. Okay, restaurants can open again, but there's some highly specific safety guidelines we need to put in place. First off, you have to wear a mask while you're walking to your table but you don't have to wear a mask while you're seated at your table. Why's that? Because now the virus isn't contagious in the seated position, but you have to put your mask back on to walk to the bathroom. Because? Because this virus is highly contagious in the walking position, possibly. And there's only one person allowed in the bathroom at a time. God knows people would be having COVID orgies in there if they could. Great idea, sir. That sounds like enough busy work to make people think we're being effective, don't you think? Excellent, sir. I have some new information, sir. The CDC says the coronavirus does not easily spread on surfaces. <sighs> In that case, no reusable menus either. Let's require all restaurants and small businesses that are struggling to hire extra staff to spray down and clean surfaces every hour. Well, that sounds ridiculous. You're right, every 15 minutes, better to be safe. Sir, the World Health Organization now says that asymptomatic people usually don't spread the coronavirus. Really? Wow, this thing's worse than we thought. Okay, six more months of lockdown. But tell them it'll just be two. Couldn't have said it better myself. But only two months? Ontario Premier Doug Ford has already visibly legislated a one-year extension of the emergency in Ontario via Bill 195, and that's just the part they're telling us. Only another year? And then what? Since the beginning of this travesty, they've been lying to us 100% of the time and have been wrong 100% of the time and have caused 100% of all the unnecessary death and destruction. What we just heard was from a June 30th 
Awaken with JP YouTube skit by JP Sears. It pretty much reflects everything that lawyer Rocco Galati said about how safety guidelines are determined by politicians. And you know, it's really not that funny anymore. It appears there is no amount of sarcasm or ridicule that can possibly exaggerate what is actually happening around us in real life. Because it's obvious and has been openly admitted to, we know that the COVID-19 death statistics are fraudulent. And because it's been openly admitted to, we also know that the SARS-CoV-2 cases, quote-unquote, are both fraudulent and meaningless. Remember, the term cases does not imply either sickness or death. And that's an important thing to keep in mind. We know that governments and medical officials are utterly ignoring the real science and the real scientists who have spoken out against what the governments around the world are doing. We know that these measures are being enacted globally, even in light of everyone's admission that no real emergency exists. It's all justified on predictions, just as everything else has been to date. The precautionary principle is being used as a tool of death and destruction while defended on the grounds that it is saving lives. We know that the media spreads fake news and prevents the real news from being seen or heard. We know that all of the mandated face mask wearing and social distancing are based entirely on political grounds and not on science or medicine. We know that many of the members of the public who comply with the mandated mask laws are acting out of fear or superstition, while others actually endorse the compulsion. And all of this is just the tip of a much larger iceberg, from criminal vaccine scams to the sheer destruction of human life and Western values, all now symbolized and propagandized in the form of mandatory mask wearing. I take to heart the inherent warnings of Rocco Galati, the masking laws are a means of obedience, he says, a potent prop to ensure obedience and compliance. And I agree with Galati that these measures are so offensive, but I would go much further than simply calling it a totalitarian tiptoe. It's a jackboot. You know, I just learned that the City of London has indeed passed the mandatory mask law and is imposing a minimum $500 fine for failing to comply and a $100,000 maximum for the same thing. Can you imagine being fined 100000 bucks for not wearing a mask? I'm telling you. Listen to what Galati said. We've lost our democratic process. We've lost the court. We've neutered the courts. We've neutered Parliament. We're actually all walking around like dogs muzzled with masks that are not only ineffective but actually causing harm. Now, I want to leave you with this thought. This is not about masks or mandatory mask wearing. Those are just the latest in a series of symptoms of the fascism in which we are currently immersed. And Galati was right on the money when he correctly described everything that governments are doing with regard to COVID-19 as purely driven by ideological fascism. It's all very depressing, actually. Looks like we're in for a pretty rough ride ahead. Let's share the experience, shall we? And to do that, be sure to join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Mm -hmm.
You're so handsome in your little mask. And you are so beautiful. All right, all right, hold it. Talk to me as he does, Hogan, darling. I would melt. Later, we've come for your boyfriend, which you uh, apparently expected. Would you remove your mask, Hogan, darling? It has been so long. You don't seem to understand. We're not here for small talk. We came to kidnap Hitler's second-in-command. Take off your mask or I shall scream! Hmm. And my small one. But of course. Me too? Put it back. Oh, sure. 